It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarSports.media. And welcome into the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on this Saturday, February 6th, as we look to preview UFC Fight Night Overeem versus Volkov, which will take place in about 70 minutes. Uh, probably even probably even less by the time we get this out because we're still recording uh, and it'll take place at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada and it's great to be back with you guys here um, it's going to be an abbreviated show because we got to get this posted before the card starts we don't want to miss a show we've never missed a preview or a, a, a post-fight show uh, since we started doing it really which you know, I, I guess we're going on nine months so you know it's gonna be it's gonna be tight okay but you know better late than never this is what people tell me so you know we got to go out here and you know we're just we're swinging for the fences here okay i gotta be honest i've done zero fucking prep you know what i mean life gets in the way sometimes but you know like jeff goldblum says life finds a way so you know we're gonna find a way to do this show and insert some uh, expert opinion having done uh, zero research but you know we'll fi- we'll figure it out we'll figure it out um yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, it's been a little bit. Uh, you know, I was very excited for the uh, three fights in uh, eight days. And then I realized, oh, yeah, then there's going to be a week off um, after that gigantic three-week period where we didn't have anything going. So, uh, you know, any any weekend without the UFC is not a very fun one in the grand scheme of things. Um, but, you know, it's fine. Hey, there's going to be a great weekend. We got the Super Bowl tomorrow. Uh, last night was fun. We had uh, Rough and Rowdy. Uh, watched a little bit of that. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to say rigged because I don't want to, you know, get in trouble. But that uh, that that main event was uh, not good. That was really really embarrassing for Jose Consenco. And uh, yeah, what is it? Oh, we also had uh, BKFC, which was interesting. I mean, they always seem to put on good fights. I mean. It's just a brawl. There's not really, you know, a whole lot of technical aspects to uh, bare knuckle boxing, or at least at this low of a level, there there really isn't. And uh, yeah, watch Paige Van Zant lose to someone who was one and two. So, uh, you know, it's almost like when you take a ground fighter uh, who was not having any success in MMA and put that person uh, in, in a place where they can't use any of their skills, they're not very good. And, uh, you know, Paige Van Zandt lost. So, uh, that was a really fucking stupid decision to go to bare knuckle boxing when, uh, I'm sure she got paid very well, so good for her, but, I mean, she could have got paid very well from Bellator or, or somewhere else, or, I don't know, just become an IG model. I guess that's what all the, that's what all the females do these days, but, uh, yeah, neither here nor there. We, we are here to preview this card. Um, oh, one one more thing. Yeah, we got the main card showdown, NSS 27 here. And uh, I don't know who anybody is facing. Uh, we have a lot of people not participating this week. I'm thinking there's probably going to be four or five matches, though. But uh, the only one I can confirm for sure is, uh, well, me and Captain. We both have our picks in because we, you know, actually respect respect the sport. Uh, Drew has his picks in. Steve has his picks in. So it might just be Drew versus Steve, me versus Captain, Jerry versus Grand Pooh. Reagan said he's in, but I still don't have his picks. But I probably can, you know, twist his arm to get some picks from him. And I guess I'll take on Francis, maybe. I guess that's that's what I'm thinking just off the top of my head. But who knows? We'll We'll figure it out. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll start here on the prelim opener, and it's going to be at a catch weight, uh, even though it says 145. Uh, not not really that important, but uh, Ode Osborne taking on Jerome Rivera, uh, not Irwin Rivera. That uh, I don't think <laughs> I don't think he'll see the light of day if he's uh, convicted of what uh, people said he was doing. Uh, yeah, and Osborne's going to be the minus 225 favorite. Uh, should be an interesting fight. Ode Osborne, 
Uh, I believe he's a school teacher. So that's an interesting uh, wrinkle to this. He had a lot of hype for some reason coming off of the Contender Series. Uh, he, he's a very dangerous guy. He has a lot of finishes on his record. Uh, you know, he can choke you out. He can he can punch you out, you know, all in under a round. But uh, bit off a little bit too much, uh, a little bit too more than he could chew. Holy shit, that was terrible. Terrible English and grammar. Uh, he bit off more than he could chew uh, against Brian Kelleher. Uh, and he got choked out pretty quickly. And in fairness, I mean, your UFC debut against Brian Kelleher, that's kind of a dick move. But uh, yeah, that really took out some of the steam from uh, Ode Osborne. And then Jerome Rivera, that's something we'll, we'll see on this card. There's a lot of fighters who are making a super quick turnaround. Because uh, I was like, wait a minute, didn't we just see Jerome Rivera? And then I went and looked. And uh, yeah, he was he fought on January 20th. So, and, and he lost. He lost a unanimous decision. And he's back. So, I don't know. That's, I mean, that's not good if he loses twice in, you know, two weeks or whatever the fuck it ends up being. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's coming back. And he's an interesting guy because he's 5'10 at flyweight. I, I, don't, I don't think that's smart. But, again, this is a catch weight, and I, I can't really find what the weight is. I get, it said 145, but that's, that's definitely not a, a catch weight. Uh, if it's 145, that's pretty fucking severe. I mean, a, a guy who cuts down to 125, so he probably, he's probably cutting, like, I don't know. A, a piss, I guess. Like, I guess, I don't know. He probably walks around at 146 and just, you know, had to go to the bathroom. So, I don't know. I, we'll see the best version of Jerome Rivera. And I, Osborne's not, um, you know, not a not a massive guy. I think I think he's fought at 135 as well. So, this one's interesting. Uh, I am going to go Osborne. Uh, I just think he's the more dangerous fighter. And uh, I don't know. That is the X factor for Jerome Rivera. Essentially bumping up two weight classes. Um, but yeah, I, I think Osborne's probably going to win this one. All right, moving on here. We have a featherweight bout between Timor Valiev and Martin Day. Valiev is 16 and 2. Martin Day is 8 and 5. Uh, the odds shark odds will have Valiev as the minus 450 favorite, which uh, some might say is rather uh, severe. Some might say that's severe. Um, <clears throat> and, and this should be an interesting one because uh, Valiev was a massive favorite in his UFC debut against uh, Trevin Five Star Jones. And he was really giving it to him. And then Jones basically com- completed the comeback of, I'm not going to say of the year, but comeback of the quarter uh, against him and ended up um, uh, knocking him out. I mean, I guess technically a TKO, but ended up finishing him. And, uh, I mean, lucky for Valiev, uh, it got overturned to a no contest because that must have meant that Jones got suspended for, uh, well, if I had to guess, weed or, uh, you know, performance-enhancing drugs, but uh, I'm just speculating. But people don't really get suspended for anything other than that. But, uh, yeah, so I don't, know, I don't know. I mean, it's really shaping up in, in that sense to, to be like that. So I don't think you can sit here and say Valiev is going to win for sure. Uh, I, I do think he will win. I, I don't really have any hot sports takes on Martin Day. Uh, I, I did watch his fight, where was it, against uh, Davy Grant. And that was at UFC 251, where he got f- fucking flatlined. That was, And that was the first fight of the night, too, because that's when you knew 251 was going to be really fun. When, when the fucking prelim opener is a, a highlight-level knockout. Um, it was a competitive fight, but he, he just got knocked out. He's on a three-fight losing streak. Um, yeah, he's 0-3 in the UFC, so uh, it's not a given, but I, I do think uh, Timur Valiev wins this one. He is a uh, scary Russian. All right, we're moving on here. Still in the featherweight division, uh, we have a, ba- a, a battle here between Yusuf Zalal and Sung Woo Choi. Uh, Zalal is 10-3, and three. Choi is 8-3. and three. Uh, The odds are going to have... God, these odds are all messed up. Uh, Zalal will be the minus 250 favorite. Uh, I feel very confident Zalal is going to win this one. Uh, I, I'm pretty high on Zalal. He lost his last fight against uh, Ilya Tapuria, uh, um, which was not a good look. But this was a guy who he started off his UFC career 3-0, all unanimous decision victories. 
which I think is I think is impressive. Almost almost as impressive as three knockouts because like I always say, you're not you know, if you knock somebody out, you won that moment and good for you, you won it so much that there were no future uh, moments in that fight. But when you win a unanimous decision, you you well, you didn't win every single moment, but you won the 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 sum total of moments, which I, I think is impressive because you know in any of those moments you could get choked out, you could get knocked out. You know, there's a lot of variables. So um, I, I think Zalal is a safe bet to to kind of rise in this increasingly stacked 145 division. Uh, I, I think he's a really good striker. Um, I don't know anything about uh, Choi. Now he has been in the UFC since uh, 2019, but he is one and two. So I don't know. I'm a little surprised that it's it's minus two 250 for Zalal. Uh, I, I think it probably should be uh, a little bit bigger. I'd say that those odds are very favorable for anybody who wants to place a bet on Zalal. Of course, I can't because I live in uh, the state of Minnesota, which you know we're we're always we're always state number. 35 to adopt anything so once 34 states legalize betting then minnesota will be allowed to bet but you know we're not front runners we don't ever lead the charge on anything we just wait until two-thirds of other states do something and then and then we'll finally get on so um but if i could bet money i I would bet money that uh, zalal wins this fight all right we're moving on here still on the prelims a women's flyweight bout here between Molly McCann and Laura Precipio. We're going to go with that. Um, my apologies. I don't speak uh, Portuguese. Uh, McCann is 10-3. and three. Precipio is 6-1. and one. We look at the odds. They're going to have McCann as the minus 150 favorite. Uh, and Molly McCann, she was ranked uh, at, at one point, I think in our inaugural rankings she was ranked but really only because 125 is uh very very shallow very shallow um now she hasn't taken on the 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 greatest of competition but i i am pretty surprised uh at her ufc record i mean she's she's won three of her last four which is is pretty impressive for women's flyweight because you look up and down that division there's not a whole lot of fighters on like winning streaks in that division. It typically like a winning streak at women's flyweight is I win two fights, lose one, win two, lose one, and it's you know what I mean. A lot of a lot of records are near 500 in that division. So you know again it's it's against Belbitsa and and Lipsky and and Priscilla Cashueta, but um, I don't know. She's racking up the win. She did lose to Talia Santos, which. Is a tough one. We saw Talia Santos uh, a couple of months ago beat Jillian Robertson, who I'm fairly high on. Um, Precipio, I feel like I've seen Precipio fight uh, before. So she took on Carol Hosa and lost via a split decision. Yeah, I'm going to go Molly McCann. I, 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 I'm not going to dive into the X's and O's. I don't really know a whole lot about the X's and O's with uh, Molly McCann and, uh, you know, this lady. But... Uh, yeah, my uh, my intuition is telling me that Molly McCann is uh, is going to win this one. All right, moving on, we have a women's bantamweight fight between Carol Hosa and Jocelyn Edwards. Uh, Hosa is thirteen and three. Edwards ten and two. Uh, Hosa is the minus two fifty favorite. Uh, we just talked about her. Just talked about her. Um, She's 26. She's on a four-fight winning streak, 2-0 and in the UFC. Again, hasn't taken on the, 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 the you know, the, the most stacked competition uh, so far. Uh, I mean, she beat Vanessa Mello, which, I mean, that's a 10-8 that's a fighter. So, you know, I mean, you know, some of these women's divisions need to get a little more uh, deep. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I need I need somebody to, to win impressively in this fight, I, and I don't really care who, um, but 135 just needs more serious fighters. I mean, I, I've kind of harped on it the last couple of shows, but this is probably the most boring division in the UFC. It's just, yeah, Nunez is going to beat whoever she faces. Good for her. And then, like, Holly Holm and Jermaine Durandamake, 
lose every single title title fight they ever get, and then you know they they beat all the scrubs and work their way back up to a title shot that they have zero chance of winning, and then you know rinse and repeat, and that's just kind of how it goes. So it's just an incredibly boring and and dull division. Um, so I just need some. I, I just need Carol Hosa to just flatline Edwards or vice versa. I'm not rooting for for one or the other, but I am rooting for something interesting to happen that would propel a young fighter up in this division. Uh, Jocelyn Edwards, she's making the pretty quick turnaround because she fought on the uh, Holloway and Cater card, where she beat uh, Yan An Wu. And I, I had no idea who she was. I've never heard of her. I do a pretty decent job at at least knowing the names. Like, you know, I might not know everything about... I certainly don't know everything about every fighter. But at least, like, knowing names, even names of people outside of the UFC, like... You know, hey, on on some forums, I've I've seen their name, or while I was doing some some research, I've I, you know I've I've heard about them, or or something like this, but uh, I've never heard of Edwards, and she put on a really good performance against uh, Wu. It was it was really uh, well rounded. Uh, I was impressed with her striking. She was pretty good on the ground as well, and uh, you know she's the plus one ninety five uh, underdog, but. I'm going to go with her on this one. I, I, I'm not, you know, I don't remember ever being impressed with Carol Hosa, and I was impressed with Edwards. So, you know what, I'm, you know, I usually side with the favorite because typically these betting places are uh, pretty, pretty fucking good because money's on the, their money's on the line. So they're pretty fucking good at setting, you know, who's going to win and who's not going to win. But uh, yeah, I, I am going to go with Edwards on this one. Uh, I, I just think that she's going to have the momentum from that win. The you know the the UFC debut jitters are gone. She really didn't take any damage, so you know it's 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 one of those things too where it's like um, you know you you get uh, two training camps or two fights for the price of one training camp. Like you just roll it over to the next one, you know. So I I, I think that uh, you know. She could be a front runner in this fight. She could, you know, get to a lead early just because, I mean, she was literally just in tip-top fighting shape a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and, and, you know, I think she'll win. Alrighty, we're moving on here uh, to a catchweight bout at 160 pounds between Justin Janes and Devonta Smith. Uh, Janes is 16-6, and six. Devonta Smith is 10 and 2. Smith is the minus 325 favorite. Um, yeah, this is an interesting one. Um, so, Justin Janes, he has had a couple of fights in the UFC. Now, re- the record's not going to blow you away with Justin Janes. And he made his debut on super short notice. I, I don't want to get it wrong, but I I think it was like literally like a day or two's notice. Um, back in June, and he took on Frank Camacho, and he knocked him out in 41 seconds. So one hell of a debut, Frank Camacho, uh, UFC vet, you know, known for being a tough guy. Not really known for winning in the UFC, but no, known for being a tough guy. That's a good win for for your for a short notice debut beating Frank Camacho. You know, that's a very respectable win, especially in that fashion. And hasn't really gone his way since then. So he got choked out by Gavin Tucker. Uh, in August, and really he got knocked out by Gavin Tucker. He was just getting battered. He was getting battered. He was getting pushed up against the cage, getting walked down. Uh, I commend him because he was tough as shit, you know, but the, 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 the choke was really only there because for the previous nine minutes he was getting, you know, his head smashed in. And then he got knocked out in round number one against Gabriel Benitez. So... I don't know. He's in a tough spot here. I mean, he easily could be cut if he if he loses this fight. Um, but I do think it's a. F- so I am a, I am gonna pick Smith to win this one. But I I do think there are some things to like about this matchup. Most notably, that uh, Devonta Smith has not fought in. Uh, let's see here, twenty four. In like nineteen months. Uh, he, you know he hasn't he hasn't fought since uh, UFC 241, and that was against Kama Worthy, where Kama Worthy made his name on on a short notice UFC debut and knocked him out uh, in round number one in, in just highlight highlight fashion. So, you know Justin Janes, 
I mean, if you're going to say anything about Justin James, it's that he's an active fighter. He's a very active fighter. He doesn't take a, a lot of time in between fights. So, you know, I don't know how many he's had since, uh, you know, the comma worthy loss, but like, dude, he's probably had like five or six. So I, I don't know, man, that is favorable for him. I mean, that's a pretty significant layoff for Devonta Smith. And it's not like, you know, and Devonta Smith was the minus 1100 favorite against comma worthy or something like that. Um, a very, very legitimate prospect. And I think he still is, but you know what I mean? I, I don't care what Dom Cruz says. I really, I really do think ring rust is a thing. And, uh, I don't know. I think he could catch him slipping. I think he could, but like I said, I am going to go with Devontae. I just think Devontae Smith is the better fighter. I, I just plain and simple. I think he's the better fighter. So I think he's going to end up winning this one. All right, we're moving on here to the uh, prelim headliner, and it's going to be a light heavyweight fight between Mike Rodriguez and Danilo Marquez. Uh, Rodriguez is going to be the minus two fifty favorite. Uh, he's eleven and five. Marquez ten and two. Um, yeah, I don't really know why this is a, a prelim headliner. Um, Mike Rodriguez interesting career interesting career in the UFC to say the least um so he came off of the contender series comes to the UFC loses to Devin Clark uh gets a knockout over Adam Milstead I have no idea who that guy is a no contest against John Allen which I believe he lost uh originally gets knocked out by uh Daun Jung has just an insane elbow knockout of Marcin Prochnio and then he gets choked out in the third round against Ed Herman. Now, that was the fight where Ed Herman did the, the, the biggest bitch move of all time and faked a nut shot uh, to recover, at, you know, because he was getting rocked to the head and was gonna, it, he was going to get knocked out, 99% certainty. And then he recovered and ended up choking him out. So just a fucking really, really weird start to his career. Uh, not and not weird in a good way. Weird in a pretty bad way. Cause what is he? He's fucking two, three, and one uh, in the UFC. Uh, now Danilo Marquez, he is uh, six foot six at two oh five. Now that's that's pretty interesting. Uh, he he won his UFC debut against Kadis Ibragimov, uh, which I don't put a whole lot of stock into because I think Ibragimov was like zero and three in the UFC uh, at that point. So I think Rodriguez is going to win. He's a dangerous fighter, and I thought he fought a good fight against Ed Herman. It's just, it's just shitty that Ed Herman's a bitch and you know decided to, to wimp out of uh, you know a, a fight and uh, you know recover and then end up winning. So he should be on a two-fight winning streak, which included a highlight-level knockout and you know probably what would have been a round two finish of Ed Herman. So you know. His record is a little deceptive, but uh, yeah, I think Rodriguez wins this one and probably by knockout. Honestly, he's looked pretty good in his last couple of fights. All right, now we're moving on here to the main card, uh, the main card opener here, which will be a lightweight bout between Diego Fajeda and Benil Dariush. Fajeda is 17 and two. Dariush is 19, four and one. Uh, let me pull up the uh, rankings here uh, at the excellent NorthStarSports.media website. Just perfect, you know what I mean? All these ESPN and Fox Sports, I mean, all these autoplay videos that just, you know, nobody wants to see, but they just play. None of that at North Star Sports. Um, yeah, but we'll look here at the lightweight division. Now, uh, Carlos Fajeda is at number 12, and... Dariush is at 15. And that's the thing about this entire main card. I mean, it's just full of kind of underrated guys who are going to put on great fights. I, I really do think this is going to be a, a fantastic main card. And uh, th this one should be uh, exciting. Uh, let me get to the odds here. Uh, they'll have uh, Diego Fajeda as the minus 120 favorite. Dariush is the minus 110 favorite. Again, don't really know how they make money on that, but that's not really my concern. One of these days I'll look it up, but I'm just not that interested. Um, yeah, this is fucking tough, man. I, I mean, 
we did move Diego Fajeda down just a little bit um, because some fighters ahead of him started winning fights and have been more active, and then Chandler came in and kind of bumped everybody down uh, a spot. Um, but, dude, he's really fucking underrated. I mean, that, that win over uh, Anthony Pettis really kind of put him into the, the limelight, or at least, you know, the on-deck circle over the limelight. Because, like I said, nobody's really ringing his praises. Nobody really knows who he is unless you're, you know, I don't want to say a hardcore, but, you know, unless you follow the UFC somewhat closely, you probably don't know who Diego Fajeda is. Now, Dariush, he's kind of been on a, 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 a resurgence here. I th- and I even think he won Comeback Fighter of the Year for 2020. Uh, I saw that on uh, on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, so um, Fajeda, six-fight winning streak, which is pretty fucking impressive, too, because you look at the, the guys who he's beat. Uh, Olivier Alban mercier Jared Gordon, knocked out Jared Gordon, knocked out Kyle Nelson, beat Rustam Kabalev, beat Merbek Tysimov, and then uh, choked out Anthony Pettis. So this guy is the real deal. <laughs> like Now, full disclosure, I am picking Dariush, but like for anybody who think that, thinks this is going to be easy, uh, I got bad news for you. You know, Carlos Diego Fajeda is a fucking really good fighter. Now, back in 2014, he fought Dariush and he lost a unanimous decision, but his only other loss in the UFC is to Dustin Poirier. So... Uh, you know, he's he's a he's a pretty legit fighter. Uh, he is up there in age, though. Uh, he, he's 36 years old. Now, uh, Dariush, um, he's on a five-fight winning streak. I would say not as impressive as uh, Carlos Diego Fajeda. Kind of had a weird stretch earlier in his career, but uh, you know, beat Thiago Moises, uh, choked out Drew Dober, who much like these guys is on a, is on a resurgence as well uh choked out frank camacho knocked out jacar close that was a fucking awesome knockout that spurred one of the greatest ufc related memes of all time and then the the highlight level spinning backfist of scott holtzman so obviously the strength here for fajeda is his ground game i mean this is an elite bjj guy but dariush has choked out plenty of motherfuckers on the ground so I think, I think while you have to give the advantage on the ground to uh, Fajeda, I, I think Dariush can probably hold his own. I don't, I don't think he's gonna want to go to the ground because you're kind of in his world, but yeah, you know, I, I think he could probably handle it. Now, uh, on the feet, Dariush, his his differential between significant strikes landed and absorbed is significant. His his defense is pretty good. Uh, 59%, but he's landing 49%, and that's the thing with Fajeda, only only landing 37%, so he misses a lot. He misses a lot. 49% is fucking actually startlingly high for, for Dariush. I mean, that's half of your significant strikes land. That's uh, that's pretty fucking good, man. So, um, yeah, I, I think Dariush ends up winning. I think he's just a better striker. Maybe he hurts him. I am going to say this probably goes to a decision because it's a three-round fight. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's I, I think it it you know largely plays out on the feet. If it does go to the ground, I think Dariush probably holds his own. He has an eighty percent takedown defense too, by the way. So you know, good luck trying to take him down. That's also pretty fucking high. So yeah, I think I, I think Dariush on paper looks to win this fight. And then I, I also think his his mental makeup. And he's a very mentally strong, physically physically strong fighter. Um, so I, I just think he has that grit as well. So I'm going to go Dariush by decision. All right, moving on here. Uh, we have a flyweight fight between Alexandre Pantoja and Manel Cape. This is a fucking good one. This is a good one. Now, uh, Pantoja, he is ranked. I want to say he's in the top five as well. Uh, okay, we have, him, we have him at number five. And... Uh, Fuck. I'll get to the comparison in a second. Uh, so we have Pantoja as the minus 120 favorite, Cape as the minus 110 favorite. Uh, Pantoja 22 and 5, Cape 15 and 4. I I think Cape is going to win. I, I think he's probably the best kept secret outside of the UFC. 
for like a guy who could come in and just fuck some shit up. Uh, I I really think he's going to be the the flyweight version of Yuri Prohaska. I mean, both of those guys were in Ryzen. They were both knocking out people in Ryzen. They they're, they're, they both come over to the UFC against a highly ranked opponent. Uh, and I think I think Cape probably knocks out Pantoja, and then he's sitting there, you know, in the top five, like one win away from a title shot, kind of like uh, kind of like Prohaska. You know, and who knows, Prochaska? Maybe he's two wins away. You know, whatever. He's point is he'll be he'll be very high up there in the rankings. So, I, I think the fact that Manel Cape is debuting against the number five fighter says a lot for the UFC's expectation of this guy. They're not they're not having him come in and he's gonna fight fucking Jordan Espinoza or something. You know, number fifteen in the rankings. No, no, no. He's fighting like essentially a title challenger. You know, if you're in the top five, a, a title shot at any point could happen, uh, you know, because you're, you're in the conversation. So I, I think they have incredibly high expectations uh, for this guy. And I think Pantoja is a fine fighter. I don't really have any complaints with him. But, you know, he has lost two of his last three. One to Davison. Can't really fucking fault you for that one. I mean, I think Davison got the title fight off of that one. And then he lost to uh, Askar Askarov, uh, who I think probably should get the next shot at the title. Um after we do the rematch, of course. But, uh, yeah, Cape, I don't know, man. I think a lot of people are going to know his name after after uh, this performance. Um, just a very, very dangerous fighter. He's young, too. He's only 27, uh, which is, you know, essentially coming into your prime at flyweight because, you know, the, the lifespan of a flyweight is shifted up by, like, fucking five years. Um, but, yeah, very, very, very dangerous. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go Manel Cape by round two TKO, but it really wouldn't shock me if it was round one. Uh, maybe maybe he just takes some time, feels him out, and uh, knocks him out in round number two. All right, we're moving on here to the featured bout. It is a lightweight bout between Michael Johnson and Clay Guida. Uh, Michael Johnson is 19 and 16. Guida is 35 and 20. Uh, Johnson is the minus 225 favorite. It is the battle of people with brutal records, just absolutely brutal. I mean, 19 and 16 is terrible, and 35 and 20, uh, it's better, but uh, not much better. I mean, 20 losses, uh, that's that's whatever. Should be a good fight, though. Should be a good fight, though. There's a reason why they've been in the UFC for, for so long with, you know, just dog shit records. Um probably because they're, uh, you know, exciting fighters. And I think that's exactly what we're in for. I think we're in for uh, an exciting fight. Now, I think it's going to be a clear-cut victory for Michael Johnson. I, I, I don't know if he f- finishes him because uh, it's pretty hard to finish Clay Guida. You know what I mean? He's, he's, he's got a rock head. You know what I mean? He's, he's going to be very, very tough to finish. Um... Well, I guess he's been choked out before. But I, I'm, I'm, I more or less mean getting knocked out because I don't think Michael Johnson submits him. Um, but Michael Johnson, he's, he's the bigger fighter. He's the longer fighter. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think he wins by uh, decision. And there's there's probably a 10-8 in there. There's probably a 10-8 in there. I don't know. Clay Guida is... Uh, I don't know, man. He's 39, and he hasn't really been relevant for, uh, you know, like four or five years. Uh, just kind of racking up the losses here. His last win was over BJ Penn. I mean, if you just look at his last wins since, like, 2013. Since 2013, all of his wins have been against people you've really never heard of or who are beyond past their prime. I mean, Hatsu Hiyoki by split decision. Tatsuya Kawajiri. Robbie Peralta. Never heard heard of him. Eric uh, Koch. Never heard of him. Joe Lozon. Okay, I mean, that. Joe Lozon should have retired four years before that. And then BJ Penn, who should have retired, honestly, probably nine years before that. So uh, I think Clay Guida is just holding on by a string here. Michael Johnson, uh, he's a tough fighter, and he's weird too. I mean, I, that's really the variable here is Michael Johnson, like, he'll perform out of his fucking mind and beat, you know, Dustin Poirier, but then he'll also just, you know, suck shit and lose to Stevie Ray like you don't really know which Michael Johnson you're gonna get but I think against Clay Guida you know we we probably get the good Michael Johnson I mean he's on a three fight losing streak so 
you know, any anytime it looks like he's down and out and going to be cut by the UFC, you know, he gets a, he gets a, a win to uh, you know stay above the tide and and prevent uh, prevent himself from drowning. So uh, I, I do think Johnson wins by uh, unanimous decision. All right, we're moving on here to the co-main event of the evening. It's a bantamweight fight between Corey Sandhagen and Frankie Edgar. Uh, Sandhagen is 13 and 2, Edgar 24, 8 and 1. We look at the odds, they will have Sandhagen as the pretty heavy minus 400 favorite. Now, of course, this was a fight that was supposed to take place, I believe, in December of 2019. I'm sure I can look it up here on uh, Tapology. Oh, no, excuse me. It was supposed to take place uh, in January of 2020. And what happened was Frankie Edgar in December of 2019 took a fight with the Korean zombie, got knocked out in South Korea, and uh, thus was ineligible to fight uh, Corey Sandhagen. Uh, In the meantime, uh, we had Sandhagen get choked out by Aljamain Sterling in like... 90 seconds um, but then we also had him wheel kick KO Marlon Marais into the fucking shadow realm so you know he lost a little bit of hype but he kind of gained it back you know that, that, that was a, a tough loss to uh, Sterling but honestly you know if you're going to lose you might as well get choked out really quick I mean you don't really take any damage and you know you just kind of keep moving on I mean it's better than getting flatlined so you know Corey Sandhagen He's on the up and up. You know, he passes the the eye test. And uh, Frankie Edgar, um, since that fight, he's had a bunch of fights canceled since that time. But he took on Pedro Munoz, won by split decision. Now, I want to pull up MMA decisions because I did not have Frankie Edgar winning that fight. Um, I'm curious to see what the trust trustworthy media has to say about this because you, you know me, I've I uh, am a big, uh, I'm a big simp for the media. I love the media. So let's see what the the media has to say about this. Let's see what Trent Reinsmith has to say about this one. Um, yeah, looking at the media scores, four of them had it for Frankie Edgar, and it looks like about twenty had them had it for uh, Frank or uh, Frankie Munoz. Jesus, uh, Pedro Munoz. Um, so yeah, I guess they thought correctly as well. Really feels kind of like the Jose Aldo Marlon Marais fight, where we all know Aldo won the fight, but you know, technically Marais won. Same deal here. Uh, Edgar looked fine. I think bantamweight is his true weight class. It's just I think he's four years past his his prime, and you know, it's it makes it very impressive what he did at lightweight. But it's just unfortunate that he's finding out his true weight class at this point. I think Munoz clearly won that fight. And, um, I don't know. I think Sandhagen's probably a better, not probably, I think Sandhagen is a better fighter than Pedro Munoz. So, I don't think this is going to go well for Frankie Edgar. I got to be honest. Um, Edgar's very, very tough. He's only ever been knocked out twice, although they've both happened in, you know, the last, like, three years. It is possible Edgar gets knocked out. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, I don't think it happens. I, I, I just think that Sandhagen probably wins a unanimous decision victory. Uh, he's just a longer, rangier fighter. I think he's the better fighter, dude. He's like fucking a decade younger, more than a decade younger than uh, than Frankie Edgar. I, I just don't see it going well. He's going to have a five-inch height advantage. The reach, pretty even. It's, it's going to be, you know, two inches uh, in, in favor of Corey Sandhagen. Two and a half inches on the leg reach, which I'd love to see on the main screen because I think leg reach is uh, an important statistic. But uh, yeah, man, I, I I don't know, man. I, I really I would really hate to see Frankie Edgar get hurt. You know, I understand he's a fucking fighter and he knows what he's signing up for, but it's just you know when people are just kind of holding on and like I don't know, man. That's that's the thing about Frankie Edgar and a lot of fighters. It's like. I have I have no doubt. I have no doubt Frankie Edgar could fight. Maybe not maybe not a bantamweight. But I have no doubt he could continue to fight for the UFC for five years 
and still win some fights. I bet you he could still win fights when he's when he's 45. But it's like, what are you what are you doing though? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I guess he's right up there. Like, if he beats Sandhagen, could he could get a push for the title? But it's, I just don't think it's gonna go well. And uh, I don't know, man. I hope, I, I really hope he's not a guy who who sticks around too long. He, he seems like an intelligent guy. He's probably made all the money he needs to make, but I just I don't, I don't see it going well. But I, I think this is really the the pivot fight for his for the latter part of his career because Frankie's had plenty of title fights, plenty of t- title opportunities. Hasn't had one at bantamweight. We know how the UFC works. When you move to a different weight class, you get a fresh coat of paint, and and that's what Edgar has. And he's undefeated. He's undefeated, according to the records. Now, we all know we lost to, to Munoz, but he's undefeated. So, you know, we've seen the title push for Aldo. We've seen the title push for Cruz. The, the UFC loves putting their champions against, you know, legends, even if it doesn't exactly make all the sense in the world. So if Edgar wins, if, if Edgar wins, he's getting a title shot. I, I really feel confident about that. Obviously, we have Sterling and Jan. Um, already booked, but I think I think Edgar will have essentially called next because what the UFC is going to do is they're going to go, well, look at Frankie Edgar. He's 2-0 at bantamweight, you know, former lightweight champ, former featherweight challenger. Uh, you know, yeah, he's probably going to get his ass beat, but, you know, hey, he, he's a big name. That's going to do well for pay-per-views. Um, but I'll, I'll be curious to see what happens if he loses because if, if you lose... It's not, it's not out of the realm of possibility that you work your way back up for a, a you know, into bantamweight title contention. But man, the road just gets longer and and, and, a, and a lot more uh, slippery. Um, but yeah, with with that being said, I, I do think Sandhagen probably wins by uh, unanimous decision. Also, very dangerous on the ground too, by the way. Very dangerous. Uh, could choke you out. Now Edgar's a good wrestler, but. Um, you know, it, it is possible Sandhagen chokes him out. And Sandhagen is tough as shit, too. I remember that fight with, uh, I believe it was uh, Yuri Alcantara, where, uh, I mean, Sandhagen, Sandhagen was so deep in a choke, uh, his arm probably should have broke. Maybe it did. And uh, just didn't tap. Didn't tap. Just kind of sat there, waited, worked his way out of it, and then just beat the shit out of Alcantara. So, you know. I, I do think Sandhagen is going to get a title shot at some point and, and potentially could be uh, champ at some point. I, I don't want to say for sure because there's, man, there's a lot of good bantamweight fighters. But when you talk about, you know, the, the cream of the crop at bantamweight, you really do have to mention Corey Sandhagen. All right, we're moving on here to the main event of the evening. It's a heavyweight fight between Alistair Overeem and Alexander Volkov, Overeem 47 and 18, Volkov 32 and 8. We will take a look here. Volkov is going to be the minus 200 favorite. Um, yeah, this this is a tough one to pick. Uh, now, let me take a look here at our rankings. Uh, we're going to have Overeem at 5, Volkov at 6. Uh, the tough part for, for this fight is it's very hard to get interested in this fight because this fight essentially means nothing. Uh, is going to get the next title shot against Miocic at UFC 260. After that, the next title shot is going to go to Curtis Blades. And then after that, I guess we'll, we'll find out and see, but Rosenstrike and Lewis are ahead of these two fighters. So it's like, it's... This fight really doesn't mean anything. It's just to stay active and not lose your rankings. You know, like I've said for the last probably year, you know, the last two years, because of the trilogy between Miocic and Cormier, the heavyweight title essentially has been on on hold for every other fighter. So during those two years, we've had a a long time to to kind of delineate the, the different tiers at heavyweight. So it's a very stratified division. We know that Miocic is number one. We know that Cormier is number two. And, and obviously he's retired, so we'll remove him from the equation. We know Nganu is number two. We know Curtis Blades is number three because he lost twice to Nganu. And uh, we, we know that 
Rosenstrike is number three. So, you know, if you win this fight, the, both of these guys are probably five rungs below a title shot. And if you win, you move up one rung, but you're still very, 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 very clearly behind three other fighters. So it really means nothing. Um, it, it will be interesting to see stylistically how it plays out. Um, because I, I, I don't know, man, when you talk about Overeem, you're talking about a guy who potentially in, potentially in the entirety of the UFC, but certainly at heavyweight, there's no fighter with a better IQ than Alistair Overeem. This guy, I mean, Jesus Christ, he's fought 66 times, like, and, and at the highest level of every single major organization, essentially, um... This guy's IQ is is off the charts, and but 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 at the but at the same time, so that he's always going to have that advantage. But at the same time, Volkov, he's fought forty times. He, you know, he was a former Bellator heavyweight champion. He's had plenty of big fights in the UFC. So it, it's not like Volkov is green, but Overeem's certainly going to have you know that advantage. Now, <clears throat> the reach is is similar. It's the exact same at 80 inches. Volkov's the taller fighter. I think Volkov is the better striker, but again, you know, I like a lot of the stuff that Overeem has implemented in his old age. And I think a lot of fighters should, should, you know, take a, a, a page from Overeem. Now, since being Uberim, really he's done two things, and I'm curious to see how these two play out against Volkov. So number one, he he just turtles up. He just turtles up. He just does that little boxing shell, and he'll just he'll just try to wait. He'll 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 just try to weather the storm. And I respect that. I think more fighters should do that at heavyweight. I think it's a more feasible plan at heavyweight. I don't think you could do that at like <coughs> excuse me lightweight or something. Um, and it it works to a degree until it doesn't. Like fighters eventually figure that out, and we've seen that with Overeem. Like, uh, let's see here. I believe it was the Curtis Blades fight. So he was. I, I believe how that fight finished was Overeem was turtling up. You know, he'll just his back against the cage. He'll just put up his forearms, and then Blades just fucking blasted him with an elbow. Like eventually they figured that out. Like eventually, oh, okay, you're just gonna turtle up with your arms around your head. Uh, I'm just gonna punch you repeatedly in the stomach. Until you piss blood, so uh, it's 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 good to use sparingly, uh, but it, it loses out in the in the long run. But then the the big thing, and I know people think this is kind of a bitch move, but I I love it. I think everybody should should implement this. I think Conor McGregor wouldn't have got knocked out in the second round if he implemented this. Just you know, if if you're getting battered, just fucking run away, just run away. That's what Overeem does. Like, does anybody think Overeem's a bitch? I mean, he's, you know, again, he's fought 66 times. You know, he's one of the baddest dudes on the planet. If Overeem is just getting peppered with shots, yeah, he'll just fucking run away. Brilliant idea. Brilliant idea, because most people won't do that. Like, uh, Conor McGregor, that finishing sequence against Poirier where he was getting kicked. I understand his legs were getting kicked. But where he's getting kicked in the legs and then Poirier was teeing off boxing. You know what? You know what Conor did? Just fucking stood there like an idiot and just took shots to the head. Should have just ran away. Should have just ran away. <laughs> I love it. It's so simple. But, you know, it, it saves over him a, a lot of the time. So, you know, I, I love seeing that being used from him. Um, the, the, the thing is, I am going to pick Volkov to win this fight. I, I think he's the better striker. I, I think this fight... It could go the distance. It's very hard for me to pick Overeem to lose by by KO. And it's not for a lack of him losing by KO, because I think he's been knocked out 16 times in his career. But it's just, Volkov is such a patient fighter that I really do think this is going to be a technical fight. Uh, I think it's probably going to be boring for the first couple of rounds. It might be boring the entire fight. I mean, these are, you know, these can be two very patient uh, technical strikers. But I don't know, man. Volkov, when he when he took on Blades, he was giving it to Blades in rounds four and rounds five. You know, despite being held down and and you know being zapped of his energy for that time. So 
Uh, you know, Volkov does have some special traits uh, as as a striker, and I don't know, man. Overeem's not exactly known as a ground fighter. Certainly, he does have you know some ground fighting abilities, and he's good in the clinch and stuff like that. But if Curtis Blades was taking you down and pounding you and trying to choke you out and and you didn't get submitted or knocked out in 25 minutes, I have a really tough time believing Overeem's going to do that to Volkov. So I, I, I think Volkov probably survives on the ground pretty easily if he is taken down by Overeem. And then on the feet, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm not going to say Volkov picks him apart, but I, I really do see Volkov getting the better of Overeem in some of these these exchanges. I think the one place where I'd be concerned for Volkov, I wouldn't really be concerned on the ground. I wouldn't really be concerned because I think he can survive. He's proven that. Standing on his feet, I think he's more than capable. I think he'd prefer that for this fight to take place standing up. But I think in the clinch is where Overeem uh, is probably scary to Volkov. And not that Volkov, you know, not that he's bad in the clinch, but I just think that's a very... Uh, dangerous place for Volkov to be uh, against Overeem. Um, but again, at, at, at the same time, uh, Overeem takes a lot of damage, man. He takes a lot of damage. And this is surprising. He lands 3.65 significant strikes per minute. He absorbs 4.69. And his defense is 59%. So that's just fucking insane. Now, he lands 73% of his significant strikes, which is just, that that is absolutely insane. So he's just someone who's willing to give out damage to take damage. And uh, I don't know why he doesn't have more, more brain damage. Maybe his brain is just covered in black spots like Aaron Hernandez. Who knows? But he speaks very well. It, it really doesn't seem like any of these, you know, knockout losses have affected Overeem. But man, this dude takes damage, and I think Volkov is a very accurate striker. Um, and I don't know, I don't know. I really wouldn't, I really wouldn't want to play the game of of taking basically five to give three uh, against Volkov, or really any heavyweight for that matter. But I guess it's worked out for Overeem, you know, in the grand scheme of things, because he's you know been a very relevant fighter um, for for a while. Um, but yeah, I think I think Volkov wins probably by a boring unanimous decision, uh, but I, I think the possibility for a finish is possible throughout the fight. <coughs> Certainly, later in the fight when uh, they're more worn down and kind of you know figure each other out a little bit. But I think Volkov probably wins by decision. All right, with that. We have completed our preview here of UFC Fight Night Overeem versus Volkov. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Got to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And thanks for tuning in, everybody.